Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Blessings out to you, Seekers Christian Fellowship, from all of our uh, fellowship churches in our region. We have 279 churches that uh, continue to worship through this pandemic, and we've got great things happening, especially in the area of church planting. And and so I just uh, praise God for what He's doing in your midst during these days, and uh, praise God too for your prayers and for your support for us in the region. You do support us. God is using that support to reach souls for Christ and to disciple them in the name of the Lord. Just a quick story to let you know how God is utilizing your support for us in the region. We had a church plant in Kingsville which is in the Windsor area, and you'll remember the the, uh, migrant workers there. Uh, There was quite an outbreak during the pandemic there, but um, one of the pastors was doing a church plant in the Kingsville area with uh, the workers there, and, and they were doing Bible study and learning about the Lord and growing along, and nobody had made a profession of faith in Christ yet, but he was working with them, and they were doing really well, and then... COVID-19 hit, and they all had to take a break, and they rolled back in their quarantine, and nobody was allowed to really meet in any kind of larger gathering at all. And then over time, over the months, things relaxed a little bit, and the pastor called for a, a Bible study to pick up where he had left off about three months later, got together with them. And the 17 of them that were there when the pastor showed up and was going to begin the Bible study, they said, Pastor, wait, wait, we want to say something. He said, what? We all want to accept the Lord. And the pastor said, well, wait, wait a minute. No, no, we've been studying and reading. There were 17 of them, and that night 17 of them professed Christ and uh, were born again. And it was just an exciting thing how the Lord uses his servants and his word to transform lives. You're a part of that. We thank you for your prayers and support for us as we minister to a lot of our different churches, especially these church plants that are starting. And so we praise God. What great facilities these are. And uh, this is just a tremendous home for you here at Kenmere uh, Baptist Church. And it's been great to get to know your pastor over the years now. Wonderful fellowship together. And so I just praise God for the opportunity to encourage all of us as we look into God's Word. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 to 16, I want to do this message on trusting in God's wisdom. Trusting in God's wisdom. Let me start with this illustration. When the Queen of Sheba heard about King Solomon and just how intelligent and wise and knowledgeable he was supposed to be, she she had her servants pack up her bags and she traveled hundreds of kilometers across the desert just to check him out. 
And she must have been thinking in her mind, I mean, how smart can this new young king really be? After all, she was the queen of Sheba. She was well acquainted with the intellectual achievements of the Egyptians, their libraries and writing skills and their magicians and their wise men. They were really the ancient world valedictorians. They were the brainers of the ancient world. So how can this new king Solomon be wiser than them? Well, it's interesting to read about how the queen's suspicions and doubts vanished when she actually met Solomon. In 2 Chronicles 9, we read, when the queen of Sheba realized how wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace that he had built and the organization of his officials and the clothing and the food and the burnt offerings that Solomon made at the temple, she was breathless. She exclaimed to the king, everything I heard about your wisdom is true. I didn't believe it until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. Actually, your wisdom is far greater than what I was told. And so she gave to King Solomon great quantities of spices, large amounts of precious jewels, and 9,000 pounds of gold. Wisdom. People will pay a lot of money and travel a lot of distance to hear what they think is somebody who is very wise and can impart great knowledge. Now, unfortunately, in our day and age, people will run to an Oprah, or a Dr. Phil, or a Deepak Chopra, or the Dalai Lama. It doesn't matter. People want wisdom, and they will pay a lot of money to find it. I think one of the most enviable verses that comes out of this whole story of the Queen of Sheba meeting King Solomon in 2, Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 9 is this. Solomon answered everything that she had on her mind. What a fantastic verse. Solomon answered everything that she had on her mind. Would it not be a great thing this morning to be able to sit down with somebody who can impart heavenly wisdom and answer everything that we have on our minds. Because we all have questions. And we're all working through issues. And we all have things that kind of keep us awake at night. And, and we're wondering, even during this pandemic, you know, are we going to be able to make it through with our family? Are we going to be able to, uh, you know, raise our own kids well through this, make this transition? Other issues about maybe our marriage or our jobs or maybe complicated problems at work or patching up differences with estranged friends. We all have things that keep us awake at night and have us feeling so overwhelmingly intricate that we don't even know where to begin in solving them. Wisdom. I need wisdom. <laughs> we, we get around to different settings in churches, and sometimes we face issues in our churches. We don't know what to do. We, we need wisdom. We need insight. We need heavenly perception. Now, Corinth was a, a thriving city, and, and among other things, it prided itself on its intellectual acumen. They were very self-confident and arrogant about their own capacity for knowledge and enlightenment. 
Corinth had an association of scholars that had given their lives to the study of Sophia, the study of human wisdom. These 40 or 50 philosophical parties or scholars freely gave their opinions about man's origin and man's significance and man's relationships to the gods. But the Apostle Paul, of course, comes and his emphasis is in completely another direction. It's away from earthly wisdom, which is limited and broken and flawed, and it's centered on heavenly wisdom, which is infinite and blameless and unparalleled. And so as we, we go through these verses, we, we kind of come to some features of heavenly wisdom that kind of remind us that as we travel, you know, our journeys and we travel together and we come up against things that we, we, we really have doubts or don't know where to go or what to say or what to do, we can turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and we can come to the Lord in prayer and ask for a heavenly wisdom that this world can never offer. We need to trust in God's wisdom. What are several features of God's wisdom here from our text? Well, the first thing about God's wisdom is this. It's a wisdom that's rooted in a relationship to Jesus Christ. None of the rulers of this age understood it. That means they didn't understand spiritual wisdom. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so it's certainly countercultural to hear, and it flies in the face of conventional thinking. But when Paul speaks about wisdom, the first point he makes is that the source of spiritual wisdom has nothing to do with the accumulation of facts or the study of the arts and sciences, but rather real wisdom is what? It's connected to a person. It's relational. In 1 Corinthians 1.24, Christ is the power of God and Christ is the wisdom of God. Paul says in Colossians 1, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so I'm not against education, I'm not against curriculum, I'm not against syllabus and trying to study. I think we need to get as much education as we can, but we need to understand that biblically speaking, wisdom is found in a relationship in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if we know Jesus Christ and have that relational connectedness to Him, we can begin to really know heavenly wisdom. It's interesting how amazed the religious authorities were at the insight and the perception of, of Peter and John. These are sort of two blue-collar guys that never really made it out of high school, in a sense. And, and we read in Acts 4, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized they were unschooled, uneducated, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And so being with Christ and knowing Christ and receiving Christ into our hearts and lives, recognizing we're sinners and we're, we're clothed in our own self-righteousness, which is filthy rags. And we come to the cross and we recognize Jesus paid the penalty for my sin, the perfect Lamb of God. As we trust in Christ and surrender our lives to him and know the forgiveness of sins and the washing of our filthiness, 
we can now walk in the power of Christ, recognizing he gives us the insight and the perceptions. He embodies the heavenly wisdom of God. Because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's a wisdom that's rooted in a relationship to Jesus Christ. The second thing I'd say about heavenly wisdom, it's a wisdom that calls for humility and dependency. Verse 9, you know, plainly states that heavenly wisdom is beyond our own capacity to attain it. No eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And so spiritual wisdom eludes those who are self-sufficient, who are pompous, or who are conceited. And so, you know, people walk around and they think they know it all. Well, guess what? The Bible says you actually know nothing. And if you think you're smart, Alec, actually, you're a lame brain. If you're walking around thinking, well, I'm smarty pants, well, no, you're not. You're actually, the Bible says, a dimwit and a fool. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Do not be wise in your own eyes, Proverbs 3, 7, but fear the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And so a sense of humility and, and surrender is absolutely crucial to attaining God's wisdom from above. You know, part of my problem is as I, as I get into a church or working through an issue, I, I can sort of jump to the answer too quickly in my mind. And I might get to a church setting and, oh, I've seen this problem before and over here this is what we did and so I'll just do what we did over here and, and do that here and everything will turn out just like it did back there. And, and you know what? It doesn't work like that. And I'm reminded over and over again, don't jump to your own conclusions. Don't lean on your own understanding. Stop. Just stop. Prayerfully acknowledge Him in humility and in brokenness and, and fall before Him. Lord, what should we do? Speak to us. Lead us from Your Word. And so, and so that spirit of dependency is, is everything in attaining heavenly wisdom. I, when we were in uh, Stouffville, north of Toronto, Rhonda and I, we were pastoring up there for about 30 years. We were at the church, and, and um, uh, this is above Markham, and, and um, I love fishing. I don't know about you, but one of the things I like to do is fish. And, and so in the church, we had um, a lot of farmers and people who had these ponds on their farms, and a lot of these ponds would be stocked with fish. But, you know, a lot of the farm I mean, they're busy, and they're working their fields, and they're doing all kinds, well, they hadn't fished in the ponds for years, some of them. And so, on Monday, my day off, often during the summer, I would um, take my fishing pole, and I would knock on the door of the, uh, you know, the farmer's house, and they would answer the door, the wife or whatever, and say, hi, oh, pastor, how are you? You coming to visit? Well, no, uh, not really. Uh, we can do that another time, but um, I want to ask a favor. Can I go to the pond and, and fish? Oh, yes, go ahead. Nobody's fished in that for years, and I love to hear that. 
And, and I remember on one occasion I was fishing, and it was kind of a larger pond, and, and there were bushes and things around it, and I threw my line. Well, my line got caught on a branch, and, and so I'm like, oh, I kind of got snagged on top of this branch, and, and so I'm like, oh, so I tried every trick in the book to get all, you know, I was yanking it, I walk way over to the side and pulling my pole, and I couldn't get it free from that, I'd go over to this side, you know, let out line, these are all the tricks, you know, pulling, pulling, and yanking, and I, I finally said, oh, and I just gave up, and I, I let my line go into the, into the pond with my worm, and a great big fish came up grabbed the worm and freed it from the branch and took it out to the middle of the pond. And it was fantastic. I caught a beautiful bass, you know. But the answer came when I gave up trying to solve it myself. It's such a simple lesson. The answer came when I gave up trying to solve it myself. And you know, it's such a simple thing to access the mind of God with brokenness and humility. And I think so often that's where I stumble and trip because I'm jumping again to how I would do this and what I think should happen. I love this illustration. Um, A 10-year-old girl was asked to speak at a prayer breakfast in Washington, D.C. And she gave this speech, 10 years old, in front of the president and the members of Congress and the business elite and VIPs from all over the world. And in part of her speech, this 10-year-old said this, you teach us that when we have a problem, we should talk it out with others and with Jesus. You say that we should pray about it and that Jesus can solve all of our problems. But we notice that when people get older and have problems, they are embarrassed to talk like that among themselves. We wonder if you really mean it, or is Jesus only for kids? I'm still young enough to believe that Jesus knows how to solve my problems, the problems of the city, and the problems of the world. I hope I never grow old enough to stop believing that, and that you all become like children in search of God's kingdom. Thank you very much. And she sat down, and she received a standing ovation. But just reminding us that wisdom's rooted in relationship to Jesus Christ and wisdom calls for humility and for dependency. The third thing about, about heavenly wisdom, it's a wisdom that's available to us because we have the Holy Spirit. Verses 10 to 12, God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. Revealed what? His wisdom. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. So the role of the Holy Spirit is illustrated by the internal makeup of a man or a woman. The only one who knows what's going on inside of you this morning is the Spirit of you. And so only you and your spirit understand and and really realize what's happening. Now, you might not be listening to this message. You might be thinking about lunch. You might think about, I don't know, problems. You might be thinking about holidays coming up. I'm not sure. But, But only you and your spirit, what's inside of you, really know these things. And so in the same way, the only one who knows what's going on inside of God is the spirit of God. 
The Spirit knows God from the inside out. So if we've received the Spirit of God, then we can begin to plummet deep into his personhood and begin to understand the very thoughts of God, his purposes, his passions, his desires, his plans, his judgments, his perceptions. I had the opportunity years ago to go to the Titanic exhibit. And, and this was an exhibit that brought up from the ocean floor all the artifacts from that faded ocean liner. So things like broken plates and door hinges and even pieces of wood and that kind of thing. And, and what was interesting to learn in the exhibit were those mini exploratory submarines. And those mini exploratory submarines could, could plummet down two, three kilometers deep into the ocean and bear the pressures that were down there and bring up those precious artifacts for the surface for everybody to enjoy. And in a sense, the Spirit of God can plummet down into the very heart of God and bring up to our conscious, bring up to our minds, bring to our awareness the very passions and desires that God would have us follow and enjoy. And so there's this sense that, that once we understand the Holy Spirit of God and that, that this is God's gift to us, he is, he is like that exploratory submarine bringing to the surface those normally undiscovered treasures about him for us now to enjoy. We all have the Spirit of God. And the Spirit searches the heart of God. And as he searches the very heart of God, he can bring to us those things that we so desperately need to hear. Heavenly wisdom, it's, it's rooted in Jesus Christ. It calls for humility. It's a, it's a wisdom that's available to us because we have the Holy Spirit. It's a wisdom that can persuade and overwhelm opposition. Uh, Verse 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, which is weak and fragile, but in words taught by the Spirit, strong and forceful, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The sheer effectiveness and persuasive power of somebody thinking and then speaking the wisdom of God. Spirit-inspired thoughts... Led from the word of God, truths from his word in our minds and then verbalized in the right context and in the right way can transform people's lives. Interesting, when Stephen was giving his defense before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 6, they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Very persuasive. Jesus encourages disciples not to worry about standing up to persecution in Luke 21. He said, For I will give you the words and the wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So Spirit-inspired truths from His Word verbalized at the right time and led by the Spirit of God have tremendous persuasive power. It can overwhelm the hardest heart. I remember doing a, uh, a funeral at our church years ago, and, and um, the son, this woman was a, a precious believer, loved the Lord, and, and served him all her life, and 
she, would, she was frail and ailing, and she passed away. But before she passed away, I would read Scripture, and she would sing hymns and just commune beautifully, just a precious saint. But her son was very antagonistic against the gospel. And he didn't really like me that much and, and was kind of mad at me. And when I was doing the funeral, before the funeral, he was kind of talking to me about, you know, what are you going to say and how are you going to do this? And, and you know, he's kind of putting pressure on me. And, and I was really praying just for the right words. And there was a text that this particular woman loved. And I, I shared that text. And I came out and I, I basically gave the funeral message and, and led by the Spirit of God. And this hardened man was broken. He, he was broken. And it, it wasn't me. It, it, it wasn't anything I particularly said. It was the Word of God, Spirit-inspired truths, spoken, led by the Spirit of God and verbalized, have tremendous persuasive power. And although this world and the people sometimes we come up against are antagonistic and, and kind of always doubting us and doubting Christianity and the person of Jesus Christ, as we get into the Word of God and we study the Word and we know the Word and we memorize the Word and in the right context at the right times verbalize spiritual truths led by Spirit-led words can have tremendous power to persuade people. And so this heavenly wisdom can persuade and overwhelm opposition. And then finally, we know it's a wisdom that the natural man cannot understand. Heavenly wisdom is not understood by the natural man. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So you're not always going to go around getting a pat on the back as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. And as the Spirit of God leads you when you're making decisions led by the Word of God and the Spirit of God in your life and getting advice from you know, other mature believers, worldly people, people who don't know the Lord, they're not going to get it. They're going to be like, what in the world are you doing? And so when I was called to ministry, and I'll never forget this, in high school, the end of my high school years at Thornley High School in Thornhill, I, 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 I was headed off to university. I was going to take business administration at Western. I'd been accepted, which is great. If that's where God's leading you, that's fantastic. But I knew God had been pressing me to follow him in ministry and I'd been resisting him, and, and one night in a renewal and a revival service in our church, the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of me and broke me, and, and I basically came home and said to my parents, that's it, I'm, I'm going to seminary, I'm going to study for the ministry, God's calling me. And my parents who are believers are like, well, that's, that's fantastic, that's new news to us, but if that's where the Lord's leading you, it's great. But my friends and the people at my high school, when I told them, they're like, what? planet are you coming from are you out of you're gonna be what and they just don't under they're not discerned unbelievers are not discerning of the spirit of god they don't possess christ and they don't know the word and and so when you and i are led by a higher calling and whatever it is or a, a leading of the lord and the spirit of god just be prepared people are like whoa that is different. That is strange. 
And so heavenly wisdom is, is something that the natural man cannot understand. But I love the way Paul finishes off this text on God's wisdom in verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And this is a quote from Isaiah 40, verses 12 and 13. And really, for Old Testament believers, their understanding of God was that God is transcendent. God is omnipotent. God is unreachable. God is undiscoverable. In Isaiah 40, verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or who with the breadth of his hand has marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord, or instructed him as his counselor? There's what Paul is quoting in our text, Isaiah 40, verse 13. But beautifully... Paul finishes the quote for us as New Testament believers. And now that we know Christ, he actually says to us, who's known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That is absolutely stunning. And so that, that which is unsearchable is searchable. God, who, who is sort of seen as unfathomable, is fathomable. The God who's kind of, you know, oh, he's undiscoverable, he's discoverable. And the God who is eternal is explorable. And so the whole push of the text is search and explore and read and learn and dive into the Word. Let the presence of Christ and the Holy Spirit of Christ actually give you and I the mind of Christ. And so it's very popular. You know, what would Jesus do? You know, people wear, what would Jesus do? Which is great. But the Apostle Paul is saying, we can know what Jesus would do. Because by his spirit and through his word, we can actually have the mind of Christ. And folks, we're all here this morning. We're online looking. And you have questions, and maybe you're going through difficult waters, and you're not sure where to turn. You're not sure where to go. You need wisdom. You need insight. And the word of God is teaching us trust in God's wisdom. Come to Christ. Receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. Ask him into your life. Forgive your sins. Washes you. Takes away all stain. His presence lives in you and by his Holy Spirit you and I can know the mind of Christ. And may we as we navigate these uncertain days be able to demonstrate a certainty that we have in the living Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not afraid. And we don't feel lost. And there's not a sense of no roadmap for us. We can in the power of Christ and through his word in our fellowship with one another 
demonstrate to a, a world that's going through doubt and worry and concern a sense of solidity and strength and insight that can only come from the wisdom of God. Not worldly wisdom, but heavenly wisdom. Let's just bow for a word of prayer. Father, we, uh, we praise you for the direction you give us. We praise you for the salvation you give us in Christ. Thank you that hidden in Christ is all the wisdom of the Lord. And we pray we wouldn't lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you, and you will direct our paths. And as we look back, we can all share so many different experiences of the insight and the wisdom you've given to us to help us flourish and help us be strong in you and to know which way to turn. And so may we hear that still small voice. This is the way. Walk ye in it. And we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.